On episode 254 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to get the best performance out of your racket with Alan Iverson. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. This is Mehrban, and today we have an episode with Alan Iverson, who is a Babolat sales representative for all of Southern California. He's not the <laughs> former NBA player. I know that Alan probably gets this all the time and is probably sick of it, but I had to throw that out there because I do like corny jokes. But uh, Alan is also a USPTA P1 with more than two decades of teaching experience. He has been Babolat's National Salesperson of the Year, and he has uh, had over 25 years teaching experience and running pro shops. And he was the 2014 Tennis Industry Sales Rep of the Year. So it's always fantastic to speak with Alan. I've had him on my previous summits and uh, on the podcast a couple times. And in this episode, we talk about how to choose the best tennis equipment for your game based on the latest trends and technologies. Uh, So we talk about rackets, strings, and other equipment that will increase your comfort and feel on the court so that you can reach the next level in your tennis game. So I hope you really enjoy it. And without further ado, here is my interview with Alan Iverson. Um, So our our theme today is how to get the best performance out of your racket. So um, I usually approach these questions by, you know, breaking it down before I ask like the big question, but I'll just ask you right off the bat. I mean, in general terms, I guess, um, how do you get the best performance out of your racket? You really want to think of it in three ways. There's three components, three major components to your racket. So there's the racket itself. That's produced. That's your chassis to get the performance. Then there's your, your strings. That's the motor. And then there's your grip choice, which is the type of grip also, but also the grip size. All that makes a huge difference. And there's been some big changes in some many more choices and head sizes and string and grips than there ever used to be so that's what makes all this very customizable to what you like yeah and it seems like it's just such a minefield in regards to i mean you know we all love choices but at some point it just becomes like (laughs) there's so many and we need guidance which is the whole reason why we we have you on alan so uh, i mean how do you navigate that you know, the, all the choices and how do you pick the right, um, you know, specs on each of these different categories that you mentioned? Well, I mean, the problem with the way tennis product is marketed is kind of like nutrition, right? I mean, everyone has this secret diet that's going to change things for you, but it's all about talking about advantage drawback. And that's the best way to understand things because you're figuring out the best thing for you. What, what your young teaching pro likes, and what you like could be totally different things. Because at the end of the day, this is personal. Tennis is a great sport because it's personal. 
and you got to find it. This is your hand at the end of the day. And so you're always working to find that best level. I mean, even Nadal just switched. He was in a 15 gauge, which is a very thick string to a little thinner version and 16 gauge to get a little more, little more power out of his string, a little bit more string movement, but a little less control and durability. That's the trade-off. So even the pros are fine tuning what they do. Some guys stay very consistent. Other guys will vary what they do according to the conditions. Yeah, that's a great point, Alan, because, uh, you know, basically um, it sounds like we should not just set it and forget it, so to speak. We should pay attention to, you know, how we're evolving, how our game's evolving, our, our physicality is evolving and so forth, and, um, you know, tweak and fine tune as needed. Um, but so in terms of the racket, um, which obviously is one of the biggest parts here, um, what advice do you have in terms of, um, I guess, well, first off, like what types of rackets are out there and then how should we um, go about categorizing and then, and then picking the right one? When you think about rackets, rackets break down, you know, the power level depends on a few things, the head size, the beam width, right in the length. So let me, let me show an example here. So this would be, it's a little harder to see here, but this is a Bob Lott Pure Drive 107. So 107 stands for how big the surface is. So way back in the day, you had smaller rackets that were called midsize that were 85 to 90 square inches. So if I get a smaller head, I get more maneuverability, more control, but less power. A bigger head like this gives me bigger, bigger power. It's actually more stable at impact but it's harder to move. That's why a lot of your oversized rackets are bigger head size and longer to create more power, but they're lighter. So you, you make up some of, for some of your maneuverability loss. Where the smaller heads, they can make those rackets heavier to get some of the power back and some of the stability. What's happened is before you only had mid or the 110 oversizes, Baba came out with more of a mid size which you know, right, when you see Rafa playing with this racket, this is the arrow, this is a 100 square inch racket. So that's a blend of power and control that people like. So head size is one, length is one. Typically, you can get some of these mid sizes and longer length. Most of your bigger servers use an extended racket. So that goes back to Gordy Zivinovich, Michael Chang at the end of his career used it, Leighton, he Leighton Hewitt, the Bandian, you know, current guys are like Sam Query, Songa, you know, they like the longer rackets because it's more power on serves and ground strokes, but less maneuverability. That's your trade-off. So that's what you have in the arrow. You also see in the beam width, that's a thicker beam compared to something like this. This is a new racket for us called the Pure Strike 97. 97 quarter square inches, that's a thinner beam, right? And then as you get into the frame, how rounded it is, they call it elliptical, will create, this is the beam width and shape. So a, a squared off beam, which was traditional, create a lot of feel, a lot of flex, but not much power. This is along those lines, more of a squared beam. You're gonna get a lot of feel and control, but not a lot of response. This is, little thicker than it looks. Sorry for the video, it's not really showing it as well as I'd like, but this comes to a tip like an airplane wing. That will cut the air faster, but also 
makes it more maneuverable. So more power, more power. So thicker here, stiffer here because the elliptical, it moves to the air faster. That's the reason why vibration dampers have gotten more popular because this is hollow and it makes a noise. I put a vibration damper on it, it changes that sound, but it doesn't reduce vibration to your arm. It's changing the sound of the racket, not vibration to your arm. Arm issues are gonna be more around the stringing. So that's kind of the basic things about that. It's tricky now because in rackets, you can get a 90, 95, this model I'm showing you is a 97. We just went to a pure strike, which is a thinner beam racket in a 103, which is for maybe a, a player who wants more control, but wants a little more room. So you're understanding what you like there. What also goes with this is weight. So as I add weight, I get more power, but I get less maneuverability. Typically your smaller heads are, you know, are heavier. You had some players models that came out that did very well initially because they worked great for that player, but it was a pro spec and people couldn't swing it. They hurt their arms because they, you know, if I swing, if I have every racket and I'm late, I'm hurting my arm. So you're trying to find the right weight for your swing. So a racket like this or the pure drive, we make it in four weights. So you're finding your weight for your swing. You know, understand my understanding on racket, how rackets are made, came with Bob Lott teaching me from what they learned by stringing for the Pro Tour for 20 years. And that was not as easy as you think because a pro knows what they like, but not necessarily why, because it's all feel for them. They're good because they don't have to think about it. They just find the right feel and they hit it without thinking. So match point, they're hitting their shot without having to think about it because, well, they're a pro. So find the right weight, find the right head size, that's what you're finding. You're finding those elements that you like together. Really? Now, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Next, you get into string pattern, which, you know, Bob Lott introduced a more open pattern. So the, the less strings I have, the more power I get because the strings elongate better and I get more spin, but I get less durability and control. In the U.S., these more open patterns are more popular. Players like us who are who we have from the, the European side, like a Dominic team, will prefer a more dense pattern for control. So that looks something like this. See how the strings are closer together? That gives me more control, better tension maintenance, and longer life uh, to, the, to the string job because there's more strings working. That's the trade-off. In fact, strings got really open with some manufacturers but they found that uh, people were breaking strings too much and they had to go to a very stiff string just to keep durability. There's a lot of different factors. They're really excited to uh, follow up with some questions here. So first off, um, should all beginner players generally go, you know, a hundred square inches plus on their rackets, you know, 104, 107 ish, or are there some, you know, exceptions? Like what are your thoughts on that? A lot of it depends on swing speed. So, and some of that is athletic background. So you have a, a, a former baseball player or someone who's done a lot of athletics who swings fast, they might have a different need, you know? So it's going to depend on your swing speed. You know, the bigger head size is going to give you more room, but less control if you swing fast. So... 100 square inches on up is typically what most people like. 
you know, 98 on down is more for control, but it depends a lot around what you like swing speed wise. So if you're a fast swinger, you might prefer a, a, a smaller head size in a thinner beam width. Hmm. Gotcha. Thanks, Alan. And then in terms of the, um, you know, the plus uh, versions versus the regular um, length rackets, I, I know you described uh, what characteristics they have. Um, you know, you have more power and, and people with big serves tend to use um, plus size rackets. But what what types of players do you think should versus should not use a plus? Like, I don't know, you, you mentioned maneuverability. So, I, I mean, should somebody who comes to the net a lot like should they be wary or somebody who gets jammed a lot should they be wary like what are your thoughts on the types of players who should get plus size rackets versus not so when we talk about plus size rackets typically they're a half inch to an inch longer and there's some variations where people do three quarter inch or quarter inch like our 107 is a quarter inch because it's actually a little heavier it's about nine nine whereas our the the 110 that we make is even lighter and it's a half inch longer because this is at nine two. It's a bigger head size. You know, there's a little bit of a sheen to it. Bawlot in its model lines makes all the colors look similar, and there's some slight differences. And then we write that that what kind of model it is on the racket. You know, pluses typically are someone who's looking for power on serve. That's the biggest deal. So all your bigger servers. So if you're looking for a little help there, that's great. Power on ground strokes the same. So if you're looking for some help on your serve and you've got the ground strokes to still swing it, to hit the ground strokes, that's what you want to do. I mean, I use the plus, I like it because I like the extra help. But that being said is we sell it well, but not nearly as well as the standard length, which is easier to control. Gotcha, gotcha. And sorry, the reason why we get more power is, is what does the length do for us again? It's a longer lever. So the, the longer lever you have, the more power you get. And the funny thing is, um, you know, we had a connected racket, which was a computerized racket, was showing us where we could hit on the racket. And what we found is with all the data we was getting from this rack, is it could tell you where you're hitting on the surface is that the pro players for their serves and for Thompson shots hit here. Flat to slice shots are hit more in the middle of the racket. They're hitting here because that's more power. That's literally longer away. And if you look at, what's changed technically you know back in the day we were taught to hit kind of bent elbow close if you watch all the players now they're extending further away from their body it's a longer lever more power who doesn't want more power right we're americans <laughs> yeah very true very true it's it's only if i'm hitting long a lot that i don't want that that power as much um and then you know to dig in a bit more on the um the beam type uh you know, the, the, the beam that I use, I use like a 2017 um, Pure Aero VS, which I really enjoy. Um, and I know there's been an updated version with a different type of beam. So, uh, and I think the one that I use is a little more squared off, but uh, what, what type of beams would you suggest for what types of players? So beam with, so what you are using was kind of a unique blend because it's a square head with a slightly denser pattern. So 16 by 20, most open patterns are considered 16 by 19 and dense patterns are 18 by 20. Yours is a 16, 20. The new version of what you have looks more like this. We used to do two weights in it, but the pure arrow VS was an interesting model and Bomblot for years had trouble really categorizing it because it was 
we made, you know, our, our red or red and white line is our most, most controlled line. Now it's called pure strike, but it's a, it's a square beam or what they call hybrid, which is where it's flat, but also rounded. So it's a blend of the two. Yours has the arrow throat, which is elliptical for power, but a square head, which is what's on this. So it's a unique blend and, and you know, it's been very popular. We still have guys on the tour using it now. Uh, Jack Sock being one of them. Felix, uh, you know, Felix Algerazim uses it also. Um, we've done some thinner beam elliptical rackets, which now you see with Carlos Alcaraz. Mm -hmm. So that's this racket. You know, in the VS line, we kind of denote it with this kind of special tinting to it. That's a thinner beam arrow. So it's a smaller head, same pattern, thinner beam in 98, little softer layup. And that's the tricky thing with rackets is we can talk about a racket and even racket stiffness. And we're talking about how stiff it is at the throat. Well, there's 14 flex points on a racket. And the, the manufacturer's not going to tell you where those are at. Even when I ask, and I love to ask technical questions on rackets, it's like a good cook tells you kind of, but not all the recipe, you know what I'm saying? So even our, the latest pure dry was a huge improvement for us, not just because we doubled up on vibration dampening, but they changed the layup of the racket and made it more controllable. And, you know, it, it's just flying off the shelves. It was a great selling seller for anyway, but now it's even more controllable. But that's where you, you know, a thinner beam here, smaller head, what you have is a very unique model because it was a blend of the new and the old. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like that. And, you know, last selfish question before we move on. I mean, do, do you see any similar, you know, either that model or very similar, like, you know, being developed in the future? <laughs> I think what Bob Lutz, you know, really came into the market and changed the market for introducing a, more open patterns in the 100 square inch, you know, size. The woofer system kind of created a bigger sweet spot and easy spin. Um, but we haven't sold as well at the 98 range. And I think we're going to be doing more models along that lines. And, you know, this Pure Strike 97 is part of that. The Pure Arrow VS, especially now with the visibility that Alcaraz has given us. Holger Room is coming up. He also uses it. You know, we're getting a little more look that way. And you're figuring out between a 98 and 100, you're like, Alan, can that two square inches make a difference? Yes. Just like a half inch longer in a rack, you're like, Alan, that can't make a difference. Try them. You know, there's definitely a difference in power. And, and there you go. And unfortunately for your customers is that's the chassis that's 30% of the power. Another 70% at least is in the strings. So when they demo, knowing what kind of string is in your racket in approximate tension, that's not perfect because every string after 20 hours leaves a lot of tension. That's where it gets tricky. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, definitely made the fatal mistake. Um, you know, I think I was just honestly a little lazy. There were, there were a couple of rackets I was demoing different brand and, 
you know, what I should have done is restrung them with my same string and tension, but I didn't. And, um, you know, that's something that I think uh, people should be doing when they're demoing different rackets. But um, I guess one more question on rackets, perhaps, um, unless you had any comments on that. And no. then, uh, okay, and then we'll go to go to strings as well, because it's obviously, like you said, so important. Um, swing weight, you know, it's, it's interesting. I remember demoing um, a racket and, you know, it was really nice, amazing feel, um, very solid. But, you know, I have kind of like a, a whippy game style, um, you know, more like Nadal style, obviously nothing near his level, but, um, you know, and that racket really actually hurt my wrist pretty bad because it was, had a high swing weight um, and it just wasn't great for me. So I was wondering if you could also give us some advice on um, swing weights and then like what type of swing weights we should, we should be targeting depend on, depending on our level and game style. Yeah, the heavier swing weights are for, you know, the, the the different swings, but it's it's tricky because now we we you know the other aspect that we haven't talked a lot about, it, at least specifically, is weight. So it's not just how much the racket weighs, but where the weight is in your racket. So different manufacturers like to do that differently, just like the labor of the racket. So what Bobla does is. Typically, on most of our rackets, as they get heavier, they get more head light. So you'll see people like, you know, doing this in the store. You know, where's the weight? Is it more in the handle? Is it more in the head? You know, whereas I, you know, if I take something like this, right, you'll see a little bit of difference where the weight is. This is a little bit more head light. Whereas our performance rackets like this, you're, we're going to make the rack a little heavier and put the weight a little more in the head. So you'll see it. Typically on the header card, they'll show you in, in on the racket itself the weight, but also if it's head light or even or head heavy. You know, back in the day when you had wood and metal rackets, the only way you made them more powerful was to add weight. But it's not just how much the racket weighs, but where the weight's at and how you like that. Different manufacturers like to do it differently. Babla, as it gets heavier, you get more power, but to help a little with maneuverability, they make the racket more head light. And you're finding what you like. Yeah, there's a lot out there, and we'll, we'll definitely talk about some some specific rat so, racket so models. Weight, yeah, weight's power. You're trying to find the heaviest racket you can still move. And you're looking at not just when you're in good position, but when you're in trouble. Weights have gotten lighter and lighter, even at the pro level, because the game's faster. And the game's faster not just you know, at the pro level, it's faster at rec level. I mean, it's amazing the level of play. If you look at old films of how guys used to hit back with wood and metal rackets, it's not even close. I'm really shocked at the level of play we see now. And it's incredible, not just the power, but the touch. I mean, you know, you know, obviously Carlos hits a hard ball and can drop shot. I had a friend of mine years ago who loves Curios and who doesn't because he's such a dynamic personality <laughs> and he's like yeah i can't wait to see him because i love his touch game i'm like what because the guy serves huge big forehand and then i watched him play and obviously he's got great touch too it's just amazing and that's what you're trying to find the right power blend of power in control and feel in a racket it's not just the power but what do you got on the control side because you got to be able to hurt people but you also be have to defend or hurt them with touch. Mm -hmm. How do you find that right blend of <laughs> power, um, you know, feel control? 
touch. Well, part, part of, so let's switch over to demo process. Okay. Part of that process is when you're demoing rackets, play people you normally play with. Because you might be hitting with this racket, think you're really doing great. And they're like, there's no difference. Or they're like, yeah, you're hitting harder. It's spinning more. I know it's when I, you know, and you're saying what you can do when you're in position, but also when you're in trouble, you know, ask the right questions. You, you want to be curious, understand you know, the factors you're working with and kind of work that through. But, un, you know, trust yourself in the demo process because you might take a racket out that your pro likes, your friends like, and you hit it. And within the first five minutes, you don't like it. We'll put it away. Try something else. Just understand the factors you're working with. And there you go. Most of the shops you go in are going to ask you what you're using now and give you something similar. But, you know, if you're, you got to understand what you're looking for when you go in. Hey, I really like my racket, but I'm looking for more control or I'm looking for more power. Be clear about what you're looking for. Gotcha. Gotcha. On. And actually, um, I guess one more question, which kind of is a segue to strings, but for the stringing, uh, the string pattern on the racket, what's your advice for, you know, if a player, let's say, plays with a lot of spin and that's their strength, I mean, would you advise that they get a racket that with a string pattern that, that, you know, even further accentuates that, that trait, or would you recommend that maybe they go the other way and go 1820 for more control if they already have a lot of spin in their game? Um, what are your thoughts there? You know, I mean, the, the denser pattern is really about control and durability, which it's hard for us to understand because we live in the U.S. Most of the courts in the U.S., especially where I'm from, because I'm in Southern Cal, we don't have a lot of clay courts, right? Mm -hmm. But most of the tennis courts in the world are clay. It's hard for us to understand. Now, Florida, you get that more, you see that. But, you know, so for clay court, the grit from the ball, you know, that get from the clay that gets on the ball, you know, wears the strings out faster. So they like it that way. And then just for general control. For us in the U.S., typically we prefer more open pattern because we're getting more spin and power. And that's what we like. I mean, we've got slower hard courts, but we don't have to contend with clay and what it does to to our strengths so typically we like a more open pattern but it's really the level of control you're looking for if i go denser i get more control but if i go more open i'm going to get more power and spin the u.s typically we vote for number two we want power and spin gotcha Alan. and i guess you know it's again it's kind of tough with all the factors you mentioned i mean if you <laughs> I'm trying to formulate a question such basically asking you, like, if we want, I mean, should we go for the racket to be, if we want like a spinny, you know, a racket that produces a lot of spin, should we make like the racket, the primary focus of, of, you know, whether spin is achieved or should it be the strings? Um, how do you mix those together? It's both. Right. And what's really changed the game is polyester strings. Yeah. And so this is that poly question your 20 25 year old teaching pro loves polyester strings they don't break they give him spin he doesn't have to restring a lot and it's added a kind of a different level of customization so an example of that string this is string in a reel right you can also buy it in a pack like this a lot of times you don't even buy it you know if i break strings a lot i'll buy a reel because it's less expensive for me you know, the same thing when I buy grips, you know, if I really go through a lot of grips, 
on like by something like this over against a smaller looking pack like that. You know, so this is a polyester string. And what's weird is polyester strings give me more spin because they slip better with the ball. They've got a higher burn rate, so they last longer. So I get spin, I get control, I get durability with it, but it's not an elastic material. Now, what they've done is made this stiff material softer. So they talk about more powerful polyesters, but that's not really the main benefit. So, you know, you get a lot of people going into polyester strings because, you know, a lot of expert players like it, but it's very hard on the arm. In fact, you know, Bob Lat's working on another multi-filament because, you know, all poly is really meant for someone who breaks strings in eight hours, which is not a lot of the market, which means there's a lot of people in polyester. Maybe it's not the right choice or they got to find the softest choice, right? This is an example of, of RPM rough, which, you know, gives more spin. It also gives a color option. You know, this comes in different colors, a red and a black. And you'll find even with the different colors, this color is actually softer than the red color just because the dye changes things for polys. So polyester string has made these mid-power rackets more controllable. So that changed tennis. You know, Pete Sampras called polyester strings cheating because back in the day, you had synthetic materials. You had ProBlend, which was a very stiff material in the main in a... Uh, uh, a, a synthetic cross that was very stiff. In fact, Agassi used only that same material both ways, but just because he's looking for control. And when polyester came popular with Quirtin and then Agassi, you know, they really switched to that string. So that before that, we only had softer strings in gut. So Beyond Borg, Pete Sampras, they all had to string their rackets super tight to get control because tighter is control, looser is more power. Now you're finding that guys are stringing poly loose to get more spin, but they're not losing that much control because it's not a powerful material. And uh, I guess some, some of the audience may wonder, what's the difference between me using a poly at a normal tension or using um, synthetic or you know, natural gut with like a really tight, um, you know, tighter tension? Well, what would be the difference there? When you're when you're looking at your stringing is you're looking at what the material does for you. So a multi-filament will after about 20 hours, it's going to lose, you know, 10 to I'm sorry, 15 to 20 percent of its, you know, tension guts five to 10 percent. Any polyester loses 50 percent of its tension after 20 hours. But, you know, why am I getting that if I get gut? That's going to be the most elastic, most powerful string, you know, for my for my game. And since it holds tension well, playability over a lifetime is going to be great. So typically gut comes in a package like this because it's it's a natural material, right? It actually comes from a cow. It takes about a month to make. It's an intestine and a half of a cow. It's a very interesting process because you've got to strip the intestine and clean it and process it and twist it and dry it and how I coat it makes a difference. This is the most powerful material. So pros at the pro level, they're getting, 
you know, they might use this and blend it with a polyester string. And they it's kind of half-half. I was talking to Julian Lee, who runs the string for the BMP tournament and strings for Yonex at Australian Open. He's a pro stringer, longtime pro stringer. He's like, guys are blending. And it's kind of 55 to 45 if they blend with gut and a poly. Or they're going, poly's typically loose. So I go to this because I want power and I want playability over lifetime. I'm going to go to a poly because I want something that's going to give me spin, control, and durability. I'm going to go to a multi-filament. This is our version called Excel. A multi-filament is about comfort. It's about power. And it's about feel. This is going to give me a bigger sweet spot, give me good tension maintenance. It's going to be easier on my arm. But this is a power and comfort story where, you know, uh, uh, the most popular selling string in all of tennis is RPM Blast. This is about spin and control. In fact, our marketing is so key. A lot of people think that this is what the, the name of the string, but it's actually here, RPM Blast. It's spin and control. So whereas you go to Excel, that's going to be more about comfort and power. That's your trade-off. And if I hybrid those, like we do an RPM Power, which is a softer string with the Excel that hybrid can give me a combination of the benefits. Like, you know, when we did our symposium last year, this was the main caveat, right? Because people want to have a lot of questions on multi-filaments because, I mean, about hybrids, because the multi-filament maybe not enough control, polyester a little too hard. If I blend them, I can get a mix of that, right? And I can actually, we sell RPM with VS gut because that's even a more upgrade into that hybrid region. Fantastic stuff. So, um, as far as the, um, so the hybrid then, I mean, would you suggest like, so if somebody's playing with full poly and then they're either having arm issues or they just want like a more comfortable ride and, and maybe even they, they want some more power to then switch to, to trying out that hybrid, um, format. Yeah. The hybrid is going to give them, you know, make it easier on their arm. Spin quality is good, but they won't have as much control, but they'll have more power and be easier on their arm. Durability will be less because the poly has more durability. It's a higher burn rate. It's just a more durable material in general, right? So you can kind of see it a little bit here. When you get this, this is the gut. You see it's starting to fray. I'm not sure if it's showing well on video, but yeah. This is gut main poly cross. Whatever I put here is the main playing element. So gut elongates well and it slips well with poly. So I still get good spin, but I'm getting the power I want. If I put gut here, I get more power with good spin. If I flip it and I put the poly here and gut here, I get more durability. I get more control, but I get a little less power, a little less feel. So that's my trade-off. So elastic material is giving me power and feel but less spin and durability, polyester is the opposite. If I go to something like a Syngut, that's, a, that's really a value option, right? It's less expensive, still plays well, but it doesn't play nearly as well as a multi-filament or even next level gut in terms of feel and power and softness. Got it, got it. So it seems like Syngut, like you said, um, good value option and then next step up multi-filament. And then I guess if you have maybe deeper pockets, then you want to do natural gut. Yeah. It's all about playability of lifetime. I mean, natural gut, we've added different coatings to it. Uh, you just don't want to be playing 
with wet tennis balls because it will affect that material, right? So it depends, partly it's going to depend on the region and what kind of conditions you play in. Um, you know, natural gut's still a good choice if you keep your strings a while because tension maintenance being so much better, playability over a lifetime is better. If you're harder on strings, it just depends what you can afford in that. You know, you're really going from 22 on up for a synthetic. When you get into multis, you're, you know, 30 to 40. When you're getting a cut, now you're around 60, 65, depending on it. So that's kind of the general ballpark. That's the jumps, jump ups you see. You know, you know, hybrid strings is somewhere in that, you know, 30 to 45 dollar category. So that could be a blend for you too. Got it. Thanks. Thanks, Alan. And so we have obviously many different demographics. Um, so I'm trying to pick one that's pretty, pretty um, popular here and then try to see what you think. So let's say if we have, um, you know, let's say a 50 year old player who is like a three, five or four Oh, and, you know, they play a lot of doubles and they do, you know, have the financial means to, um, you know, buy, uh, you know, top quality strings. Um, uh, and, you know, they don't play like too spinny. They're probably maybe average as far as that. Um, they come to the net a lot. Like what type of string would you recommend that they get? Well, I mean, the, the bias really for me is, you know, Bob Lott started is the oldest tennis company because a year into tennis, they were making gut for violins and for surgical stuff. And the guy came to him because literally steel wire is what, what they were putting in the racket. So gut was where it all started. Gut is great, but gut is a little bit, using gut is a little bit what, like when I tell, when I take my wife to a good restaurant, do you know what I tell her? What's Don't that? get used to it. Because <laughs> there's nothing that plays like it, right? So right. It, and the difficult thing I mean, when we talk about product and all that, we're defining sensation. I can only get you close to what you like, but what you like, I mean, part of the process is you've got to be willing to try different things and burn a few string jobs because the stringing is the key. And if you watch the pros about how picky they are about the stringing, that's the key. The racket's the chassis, but the motor is definitely the strings. I mean, Bob Lott is the top string manufacturer. I mean, the problem is, you know, making some of these strings isn't really that expensive to make. So, I mean, if you go on like Tennis Warehouse and you look how many string brands there are, it is mind numbing. I mean, there's like over a hundred. So it's really tricky. And so they're all trying to tell you that this is the latest and the greatest and you got to have this. It's really tricky. And, you know, even as we get into shape, you know, you're going to guys telling you that there's an edge to our string. So it gives you, you know, more spin. It doesn't. Right. It's really, you, you know, we create RPM where it's has eight sided, but they're rounded for more slipping. You know, it's very, very tricky about discerning what you like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then how about, um, I think we might've got this question um, last time as well, but like in terms of varying up the tensions on the mains and the crosses, I mean, first off, do, do a lot of pros do that? And then do you think that's something that amateurs should do or try out you know i've heard different you know you know on the bob left side they're like on hybrids don't make it more complicated so keep it the same tension now uh again talking to julian lee i ask him a lot of questions because he's really 
the, the pro expert at the highest level, he's like, Alan, you know, a lot of times, you know, the crosses go a little less. It used to be because used to be because this, the crank stringing machines would feel the tension differently because it's on a spring load. Now they're on electric machines, most of them. So that doesn't affect that. But he was telling me, Alan, a lot of times your cross strings aren't as long as your main strings. So people do tend to go down a couple pounds. It just depends what you're looking for. You're going to get a more responsive string bed from that. Is that what you want? So if you go a little looser on that cross, now you got more power, but can you control it? You know, his point was a lot of the pros have that string that swing to control it, but you might not be able to control that, Alan. That was his point to me, but that's okay. I, I didn't cry too hard, but, you know, it, that's, that's the difference. Right. So that's it's all again. Well, I liked his presentation because it's not like, hey, everyone should do this. This is advantage drawback. If I do a little looser on the, on my crosses, I'm going to get a different type of string bed. Did I like that? Same thing, you know, transitioning. You can actually pre-stretch strings. That means is let's say I want a, a, a racket at 60 pounds just to pick a number. Not that that's the perfect tension. If I pre-stretch that 10% on these electric machines, it will go up to 66 pounds and then come back down to 60. What that means is my strings will hold tension longer. So I did that with some polyester strings and I found that I did not like the string job literally for weeks because it was it stayed tighter so much longer. I was used to, used to it losing tension and I didn't like it. So part of your process as you try strings is just on your phone, write down a little notes, how you liked it day one, how you liked it day seven, and you're kind of refining your sensation. If you can do it right after you play, it's great. You put it on your phone. That way, when you go back, you've got some questions about string performance at the beginning and through the lifetime of your string, so you see what you like. Got it, Alan. And some questions about pre-stretching. First off, what is the actual like process of that? Like, what is How do you pre-stretch a string? You can do it two ways. So the old school way is you wrap it around a pole and you pull it. Like a lot of times that was what was done for gut just to make it easier to string. Now on the machines itself, there's a tension head that moves back and forth that will stretch to, you know, let's say, you know, 10% more and then come back down to the tension you asked it for. And that's going to help, you know, reduce some of the tension loss to the string. Uh, that's why you do it. So some pros ask for it. A lot of them don't, but some do. And that's your benefit. You're going to get a, a string that will lose less tension over lifetime. So if you're going to do that, you got to just be aware of initial tension and how much tension, tension loss you like. Got it. Got it. I'm just curious. Do you know if um, tennis shops charge for the pre-stretching? They do not. Okay. They have to have the right machine. What you're looking at and what you want to be aware of is electronic machines string about 10% tighter because when you're undoing the clamp, the electronics machine is still pulling, whereas a crank machine will stop, you clamp it. It's not pulling when you're changing that string out. So, you know, a lot of shops like a crank stringer because it's less expensive, it's easier to string on, but it doesn't string as tight. And maybe even as accurately, depending how I crank, there's a couple pounds different. If I, if some people crank a little faster, a little slower, there's a little difference there. 
but that's just how sensitive you are to pressure, right? As I go up in tension, I gain control, but less power. Lower tension is more power. That's, you're trying to find that right resting rate. And you're trying to figure out how you like your string at the beginning. And then, you know, three or four weeks later, a couple of months later, depending how long your strings last. Pros don't, you know, pros are finding their right tension right away because they're going to use that racket for 30 to 40 minutes. And then they change it typically with the ball changes, which is something that Lindell started back in the day because they actually are so hard on balls that, you know, every ball change makes a difference. That's why you see the players, players always showing you, the, hey, I got a new ball now. So the guy knows or girl knows who they're serving to. This is going to come a little faster. But they t- that's why they're changing out their rackets. And they, they usually carry six to eight rackets, depending on the pro. And when they're done with it, part of the job of someone at the tournament is they're done with that racket. It goes back and it gets re-strong during the match. Gotcha, Alan. Um, I know we haven't mentioned <laughs> nylon, but I'm just, just want to ask real quick. Is that, I mean, should that just not even be considered by anybody or is, should anybody actually use nylon? Nylon's a great value story, right? I mean, you know, as you're starting out, it, it's a great value story. If, if you can afford something more, but nylons play well, but you know, as you go to multi-filaments, you'll get a little more elasticity, a little more power. Part of it really just depends on your level of interest, right? So Value is really how much you use it. You're not playing a lot. You play once every couple of weeks. You just want a good value store in your racket. You're still figuring out if you like it. Great. Let's go nylon, right? Because they call it synthetic gut, but that's a good way to start. If you're getting more serious, you want to take it up a notch, then you can go to multi-film. If you're finding that you're looking for more control or you're starting to break strings a little too frequently, then you can start to hybrid. You know, if you find you need a little more spin and control uh, and your arm can handle it, got to be careful there. You can go to polyester string. You know, if you're looking really, if you've got a tennis elbow issue or an arm issue, that's the best way to go because it's going to be the softest, most elastic material on your arm. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Gotcha, Alan. And then I guess another choice is, I mean, some some um, string brands have like a soft version of the polyester. So, I mean, if you're a polyester player, I mean, do you want to try that soft version first before like um, a mono, monofilament or a hybrid uh, setup? Yeah, I mean, the softer, you're making a stiffer material softer. So polyester is a big push is to make it soft. Right. So uh, we just recently came out with RPM soft, right, which is 
an even softer polyester for maybe someone transitioning into poly, this would be a good start. You know, you go up to RPM rough, this is not quite as soft, but it gives me more spin, more control, a little more durability. And when I go all the way up to, you know, RPM blast, this is the most control and spin, depending on my, on my racking. You know, polys also give you some different color options, which is somewhat about soft, but it's just about personalizing your racket just because you might just like another color better than another just because it's a style choice. So softer polys definitely, but understand you're making a stiffer material softer. So make sure your arm can handle the stiffness of that material. And if you try it and your arm hurts, cut it out because it's not going to get any better and consider hybrid. Thanks, Alan. And then um, I know you mentioned a, a third big element uh, is the grip. So um, can you kind of educate us about the, the grip and why that's so important? So a couple of things you got to think about with grip. Now, different, you know, back in the day, you had only this type of grip. So this is a leather grip, okay? Leather grips fit very tightly to the racket. So my feel for where the grip is is even better with leather. It also adds weight. So this is a player's racket. So we added some weight. They get better feel. Typically, you don't see people using all leather anymore. It might be underneath to add weight and to add better feel, but it's less padding. So, you know, this is an overgrip. You can see, I don't know if you see the seam so well on the video, but I, mm -hmm. I wrap this on top of it. So that is a lot of times will go over that leather grip to give me some of the feel, but also better gripping on the racket. So within that, you also have, you know, synthetic grips, which, sorry, this is a new racket, but that's, you can see there's no seams on this. That's a synthetic grip that has more cushioning to it. Most of your rackets come with synthetic grips because they're way easier on your arm. If you haven't played with a leather grip, and you play with a leather grip and you don't put a wrap on it, you'll for sure get a blister because it slips more. It's a slippery surface. This has more cushioning to it. What Babala does that's, you know, interesting is, you know, we were talking about this one earlier. The grip on this is a synthetic grip also, but we call it a Syntec team. It has less padding to it, so you get more feel. You know, all my demos, I put an overwrap on just because it makes it easier to change it out and keep it clean. But... You know, you're looking at the type of material, leather grip, if you want to get leather because you want the weight and the feel, I would recommend putting an overgrip on it, right? And as you get into overgrips, you got different choices. Like for us, this is Pro Tour. All grips will have something like this on so you can feel it. In our market, we typically like something tacky. I mean, the funny thing about this is this is a white overgrip. White overgrips are a terrible choice. Because the dirt from your hand and the oils from your hand are going to get on this. Yonex started this because their tackiest grip was white and their most sweat absorption grip was black. But people really liked white grips. So manufacturers started copying and that's why we have white overgrips, which really make no sense because they get dirty. But that's why we have them. But you have other colors, right? You know, you can do blues and things like that. Turner grip is very popular in the market because it makes a very sweat absorption grip, 
that is felt like that sweat absorbs. So this is our pro tour kind of version of that, you know, this, I'm sorry, tour original version of that. This has silk powder in it, but it's about sweat absorption. So I'm figuring out what grip do I like? Do I want something that's tacky? Cause I like tacky. Do I live in a really humid climate where I need some that sweat absorption for us pro tour is somewhere in between that. Even in overgrips, this is called Cinta Evo. And again, I'm not, I apologize if I'm not coming through on, on well on video. This is a replacement grip. So it goes on the handle of the racket before the overgrip that this is perforated because that uh, you know helps you with some, some of that sweat absorption idea that you're looking for. It dries quicker because there's holes in the surface. So you're fit, you know, all rackets will come with certain grip on it. You know, most of our rackets come with the Syntec Pro, which is a padded grip on our Pure Strike line, which is more of a player's racket because it's a thinner beam. We make the grip itself actually a little thinner so you can get better feel. So thicker grip, more comfort, more, you know, a little bit just ease of gripping, thinner grip, more feel more control you could say but a little harsher right because i have less dampening to it over grips are what i do to keep some of the tackiness to my grip because the oils from my hand are going to make that grip slip over a while and what you're noticing you might just start out with your regular grip so you start out with your regular replacement grip that's underneath here if you start to see tears in that grip please replace the grip Right. So this is the tire to your car. Right. You know, if you watch performance car videos, they're always talking about what type of tires on there. That compound makes a difference. Right. So replace your, you know, if your replacement grip wears out, if you only like that feel, which is I prefer that. I don't really like the ridges to an overgrip. I just replace the over the replacement grip. The overgrips go on top of it. They'll make your grip a little bigger but they provide better tackiness and you can keep it going more regularly. Same thing too, when you go in, look at the top, this is called the bumper guard, right? In the package, it looks something like this. You never wanna put these on yourself. It's a nightmare, have your stringer do it. But look at the top of your racket. If you're starting to wear into that guard and it starts to wear into the frame, your frame could break and their manufacturer will not replace it. And it's, in, it's ruining the integrity of the structure, i.e. the stiffness of your racket will go away. Pay attention to this because your stringer might miss it. So look at the top of your racket and see the wear. If you start to wear into the guard, replace the guard. And you have to do that when you string it because the strings go through the guard when they do it. They have to put the guard on after they take the strings out before they string it. Great stuff, Alan. Yeah, um, I, I've i kind of laughed inside when you said not to replace it yourself because it, it definitely is a pain. I've done it a few times for my Piero VS 2017, but um, it's not easy um, for sure. And yeah, I mean, you're totally correct because there have been some instances where, you know, in the many years ago when I was more naive, um, you know, I didn't have a replacement overgrip with me and my my grip of the racket was it was not comfortable, it was slippery or whatnot. And, you know, you're, you're restricted. You can't really swing freely and confidently. And so, um, it, you know, it's something that's pretty small, you know, and very um, cost effective to change, but can make uh, uh, an immense difference. And also depending on the type of feel that you like, that can make a huge difference um, as well. So I would you say, I mean, would, for the uh, majority of players, would you recommend that they go the route of 
um, just using the 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 grip the the grip that comes with the racket and just re- replacing that with a replacement grip, or would you recommend that more players um, go the overgrip route? Because I think I've seen from from what I've observed, you know, um, you know, not a huge sample size, but a decent one is. I feel like most players who are playing tournaments and whatnot, they're they're repla- they're using overgrips and and taking those off when needed and replacing I, them. I would recommend more more the overgrips, right? Just because then you can keep your surface tacky as tacky or as, as sweat absorption as possible or a mix in between. You're figuring out, it just depends how much your hand sweats, right? If it doesn't sweat a lot and you might like tacky, if it sweats a lot, you're going to look at something with sweat absorption. And that's, this is why we're having this conversation because it's all personal, what you like. I can't tell you that. I can just tell you what's offered, right? So the overgrip is the way to go and really pay attention to what that looks like. And it's just part of you being the best prepared you can be for your matches. You know, Brad Gilbert wrote a, a great book, you know, called Winning Ugly. Uh, I recommend it. And it's, a, I mean, fantastic. And if you ever watched Brad play, you would know how true that was. He got to four in the world, though, with that great game. And uh, he talked about preparing your tennis bag. So you got to have your racket right. You got to have your grips right, your stringing right, you know, whatever else you need in there nutritionally or change of clothes, all that. And the better that you're prepared, the better you're going to feel and more confident going into your match. That all, you know, translates into you hopefully winning more because, you know, winning is a whole lot better better than losing, by the way. That's why we keep score. (laughs) That's that's right. Definitely correct. Definitely correct. Um, and then uh, I guess just to, to double check, it, when, with the perforated grip, I mean, is that like kind of a medium ground where like instead of using a tacky grip, a regular one, or um, the, um, you know, uh, sweat absorption one, like a uh, torn grip style or the one that you you brought up, I mean, is that like a middle ground then? It's, it's a combination of sweat absorption and tackiness. Okay. Whereas, you know, a felt like type grip is going to be all about sweat absorption. Not as much on the tacky, you know, our pro tour grip has some of those qualities where it's tacky and absorbent, but absorbent is absorbent at the end of the day. It's the material itself being, you know, having some type of sweat absorption material in it that helps. And you just got to be willing to change that out. You know, if you're in a human region, you might be using two or three rackets just because you sweated through the racket, right? And you just be willing to change. That's the value, you know of that and what you'll see players who break strings a lot or who want to change you know change might change during a match you know they they change with the balls but at the recreational level you might change during a match if you sweat through the grip and you don't have time to change it out right right yeah definitely definitely and so um as far as the um you know modifying the racket i mean we talked about the the bumper guard but like um, adding lead tape and, and other materials on there. Um, do you have any any recommendations for players who want to again get the best out of their their rackets, like on like uh, how they should go about um, adding any other things like lead tape or putty in the inside the handle and things like that? The first thing you want, let's say you find a racket you like. Understand these rackets aren't like putting them put like they're all handmade. So there's some spec differences in the racket, weight and balance. So if you find a racket you really like, 
if you can, what they call racket match it, bring that racket to someone who customizes and have them do it. All the pros are having their rackets sent to a customizer who customizes their rackets and basically racket matches it to their spec. So that's A. So racket matching is first. If you want to customize your own, that gets tricky because, you know, where you put the weight changes where, you know, how it performs. So I have a racket like this. If I add weight right at the tip, I get more swing through, right? But, you know, that's, that's overall power. This gives me power. If I want power and a little more stability, I go here. They call it 11 and 1. If I go racket here, this is even more control because I'm at three and nine. This is about stability. If I put weight here, this is going to give me overall mass, i.e. power, just because it's mass, but not as much swing through. If I put weight in the hand, and what they do is all your rackets now, since they're all tubular, like we talked about earlier, there's a what's called the butt cap. This plate actually comes off. So if there's any debris in it, I can shake it out. This is where they add silicone to the handle. The problem is if you add the silicone, you add too much. Now you got a problem. If I put weight here, I get more maneuverability to the racket head, not necessarily power. It's more about maneuverability. So this is power. This is maneuverability. And then where I put in between. If you can work with someone who does racket customization, that would be great. I mean, the one area I find surprising that people don't do more. If I have two or more rackets, find the one you like best and have them racket matched. You just want as consistent a feel as you can. So that's that would be my recommendation. You talked earlier about you know getting the swing weight right. You know where the weight is. You know the weight can be the same, but how it swings can even vary. So getting someone who does that work incredibly helpful. Thanks, Alan. So one one other question on that is like, let's scenario uh, is that let's say we want to retain the racket's properties of you know their of the spin and and like the same power and control, but we want to just add more stability to the racket. Um, what would you? Where would you recommend we uh, modify the racket? Right here, three and nine. Three okay, and three nine. and nine. This racket. We kind of extended what was unique for ball. We extended this bumper guard down a little further. And this as our mm. ultimate player stick was to add more, more weight, i.e. stability to the racket head. You know, Wilson back in there used to have a primer weighting system that was a notch here, but basically it was weight on the side of the racket. So that's what you're looking for. You know, at three and nine, you'll feel that. And do it incrementally, right? You know, it's interesting, you know, customizations changed a lot because back in the day, if you saw Jimmy Connors or Pete Sampras' racket, you would see lead tape all around here. Literally, they put lead tape all around it. And, and you know, what Pete Sampras or Connors could swing isn't what we can swing because, you know, Pete Sampras, you know, served at an incredible level and his shoulder never fell off, which is incredible to me. But but he liked a very heavy, small-headed racket. He was just incredible. But the weight was here. And they put it, you saw the lead tape. Now they put it, they'll inject it into the racket or put it under the bumper guard. So you don't see, you don't see the customization as much, but the pros do it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thanks, Alan. So I'm going to scroll through some other um, <clears throat> questions here. It's a very a general one from uh, Michael, but he asks, 
how do you know you have the best racket for you? Well, you, you gotta just, you gotta figure out what you're looking for, right? You got, so it's all about chassis, engine, and then grip or tires, right? So make sure a, you find the head size you're comfortable with, you know, uh, you know, 100 square inch works well for a lot of people, but if you're swinging slower, you might prefer a bigger head for more power. If you got a really fast swing and your 100's not, not controlled enough, go into a smaller head size for more control. You know, length would be another caveat if you want to add power to your serve and ground strokes. You know, string, you got to decide, am I looking for comfort and margin and tension maintenance and playability over lifetime? I go to a multi-filament, a sin gut, or actual natural gut. If I'm looking for more spin and control, now I add the polyester to it. And this is why the demo process is so tricky because if you get a racket with polyester and you use multi-filaments, there you go. When, when I go do bring my demos out for BMP because I have a demo court during the BMP tournament next to the, the tent, which is cool, they ask me bring one with a multi-filament one with polyester so people can better determine it. And some of your pro shops and online buying will give you that option. Know what you're asking. And then, you know, going into grip, make sure you get, you know, you have the right grip, a good grip on there. That's not worn out. You know, this grip, you can see it's starting to get discolored. You know, it's time to change this grip, right? It's dirty, right? Don't be, don't be overly cost conscious on something that's so important to your hand. So if it gets dirty, starts to get worn, change it out. So find the right, you know, head size, find the right string and string tension, higher tensions, give you more control, lower tensions, not, you might find the right swing string, but find that, you know, after a couple of weeks, you're not getting enough control. Next time you string it, string it tighter, or it's too much control for too long. Next time you string it, string it looser. So you're finding that right blend and then you're finding the right grip for your hand, right? So you're looking here and trying something that fits your hand right. What's changed so much in grip size. So we're talking about the circumference of the grip. Back in the day, they used to sell three quarter square inches grips. I mean, my buddies used to build their grips super huge. Now you got Nadal and Federer using quarter grip sizes and they're six one. They're a lot bigger than you even know because you're seeing them on TV. They're taller than you think because the stroke mechanics are changed and people are turning the racket over more. Smaller grips are more popular. And if you decide you want to try a smaller grip, let your arm get used to it. Don't just go that one grip because you're used to gripping a certain way and then you change it. You're going to hurt your arm if you don't make that change. Sorry, could you say that again? Sorry, my watch is talking to me. It's an apple. So... That's what, you know, that's what you want to look at is find your right grip. And, and everyone thinks this is standard. All manufacturers are different. If I get a Prince racket, the grip is round. Most head rackets have a rectangular shape, except for some of their speed line, which is more around Djokovic. You know, Wilson and Bobblehead, it's more of a square grip. You know, and, you know, so where the bevels are and what they look like will change to, by manufacturer. Bob lock grips tend to run a little bigger. So you might be a three eighths, another manufacturer, but in Bob lock, you'll be a quarter. You got to go in, feel the grip and have your, you know, who's ever measuring your hand or, you know, uh, pro shop you're working with, look and see how it fits your hand. That's, 
you don't know what you know, but you're aware of that field. Even as you demo this process, trust your instincts. Just, you know, we're having this conversation so you understand what the parameters are. So you can figure out what you like best because at the end of the game, day, this game is very personal and find out what you like. And that will change over time as you develop, right? I'm sure, right, even as you, you're working with your game, you've tried different things and it's good to experiment. I mean, even when I was interesting talking to Babala in about their product development, because they're really product developers and, you know, innovation is a big thing for them. I would ask, hey, what if you develop something and no one likes it? Well, they're like, well, we throw it away and we start again. We had a connected rack. It was called the Play Racket. Nadal and Wesniaki used it, and they were one in the world at the same time. We're so fortunate to have them. Um, but we didn't sell a lot. You know, people really weren't looking for that connected product, but it did help us, like we talked about earlier, with our development of other things. So as you experiment, you know, it might you might figure out what you like, but you also figure out what you don't like, and there's nothing wrong with that. Be willing if you experiment with a string and it's not quite working out or it's hurting your arm or you don't get the control or the power you want, be willing to cut it out. It's a worthwhile investment in something that you really enjoy doing. Yeah, experimentation is so important in, in life yeah. in general, as well as tennis. So um, definitely, definitely want to try things out and see what works for you. Uh, another question, which, you know, it we did kind of cover before, but it does have um you know, a, a part to it that maybe we didn't specifically cover. So this one's from Trevor and he asks, um, when doing a, a hybrid string job, should you vary the tension between mains and cross crosses? And if so, what's a good rule of thumb? I think it's easiest to keep it simple, like, and just the same tension for both. If you do lighten the tension on the crosses, see how you like it, because it's going to make a more dynamic string bed, i.e. a little harder to control, but a little more powerful. So to see that's that's the parameters you're excuse me you're working with that you you want to play around with and see how you like it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense there. Um, and then in terms of um, uh, so I guess another question is from from Vinny here. Will Babalek uh, ever come out with a frame like the Pure Storm Plus from around 2011 ish? So Pure Storm Plus is kind of a version of this Pure Strike VS I just showed you. That was a 98 extended length. We had great use in Europe for that racket, but it was a thin beam longer racket. So it's a unique blend because you got a little bit more pop, but you still got the flex of a traditional beam. So you got a little more pop on the serve and the ground strokes, but it was a little easier to control because it was a softer beam. Extended lengths for Babla, we're one of the few manufacturers still do it in a mid-size racket. And you'll see it in the pure drive and the pure arrow. We used to make a, even a heavier version called the Rodic when he played because he used an extended length racket, but he liked it stiffer and heavier because that was his spec. And we sold it well until he decided to retire and then not so good. So not likely just because we, when we had at least on the US side, we didn't sell it that well because I, I sold that in and it, it didn't move as well. But it's a, it was a really cool playing racket because of that unique blend. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, we have Heidi here who I've played mixed doubles with actually. And she asks, how many hours of use will I have to sacrifice if I start doing a hybrid of natural gut and multi filament? versus multi-filament and poly 
since the strings will pop sooner with the natural gut? You know, it's just, it's going to vary to person, right? And so that's tough, but this really relates back to be your own tester, right? Start to write, you know, if you want to write on a notepad or on your phone, you know, the string experts that I talk to, right? And then my string knowledge really comes from them. You know, the one guy, Lucien, who, you know, strung at 60 Grand Slam tournaments, over 600 pro tournaments was part of that group for 20 years that strung with the pro tour for Babylon. And we still string at pro events and do that. Um, you know, this is, you got to figure it out what you like, and, and this is where you measure it. That's why doing some note taking, you figure out not only durability, right? That's one aspect, but playability. How do I like it? Week one, week two, week three, because that's going to help you adjust tension or materials. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, yeah, it seems like, um, yeah, like you mentioned, it depends, but you know, I guess the common element here in both setups is multi-filament, but then instead of the natural gut, you're replacing with, with poly or, you know, comparing them. And you would think that the poly probably will last like a substantial amount. Well, if you go, well, well, hybrid is a poly and, and something softer could be synthetic gut, could be a, a multi-filament, could be gut itself. You know, if you put the poly in the main, you'll get more durability with it. If you yeah. flip it and put the malt there, soft and mature there, you'll get more playability, but less durability. So there you go. I mean, you know, the other, you know, nuance, you, you get some people taking a poly and putting a stiffer poly with a softer poly cross, which would be an even more sophisticated plan if you wanted to soften up your poly a little bit and uh go that direction but gain a little more spin and durability gotcha gotcha good stuff so i have a question here from luis i'm trying to interpret it properly because the question was two strings versus one string any difference and my first thought is i'm wondering if he's asking about you know two piece stringing versus one piece string i don't know if you have any other interpretations of that alan you know but it's you know, it was fascinating and really uh, what, you know, when we did our last time together and thank you again so much for letting me be on this. Sure. Um, I was shocked and fascinated, right? Because, you know, I mean, I only have my limited understanding of this market. We had so many questions on hybrid stream. I mean, that was, I mean, when you say 70% easy on that, I mean, it's yeah. really because of the caveat, like people like multifilms, but they want something that will give them more spin and control. So a softer polyester or a hybrid system helps to accomplish that without going to an all poly that is they find too harsh or too hard on their arm. Now, in terms of stringing, you know, what you're going to find is, you know, this you can see if you see four knots see the knot see the knot see yep. the knot up here that is because it's two piece that has a lot to do with where the the mains dead end so if my mains dead end or stop at the bottom so i string the mains first if i stop here i don't necessarily want to keep it one piece because if i do and i go up now i'm hard on the tip of the rack because the hardest thing you do to rack is to string it. So a two-piece system 
a lot of times work for that. Stringers don't like it because I do lose some tension on the side of the racket, on the side strings when I tie a knot. So if I can keep it one piece, I have a little more uniform attention. Most of Bobla rackets are two piece because of that. There's some stringing methodology where they can do it around the world and some other methods where they bring it up to the top, they don't do all the mains and they come back down and they keep it one piece. It's just a little more complicated. So that is what you're looking at in terms of with a hybrid system, you have to do a, a two piece system or four knots because you're using two materials. Got it, Alan. So if you're doing a one piece and it, it happens so that, you know, once you string the mains, then you end up stringing the crosses from the bottom of the throat area going up. Is that okay? Is that like, you know, less stressful on the racket? And is that still allowable in your it's, mind? It's, it's more stressful on the racket. So most of your like United States racket stringers association, you know, really goes against that because it's just harder on the racket. It's a little bit better for tension maintenance. It's a little easier for the stringer to do it. And it saves a little bit on string, but it's hard on the racket. You know, in terms of to kind of caveat into this, the hardest thing you do to your racket, unless you throw it on the ground and break it or hit it along <laughs> the ground, is, you know, which we see some of our pros doing that. Not that I recommend yeah, this. Unfortunately. Um, is string it because you've got uneven pressure on the racket when you string it. So even I string the mains first on the racket. What I want to do is string a couple on each side at a time, two to three, because that, that way I'm not creating uneven plan. So if I go all the way here, now this side starts to lob side because there's no tension under it. And this is also when you're stringing it, you know, an electronic stringer is better because it has tension mounts not only here, but also on the sides of the racket. So that helps the racket support it as you're putting unequal pressure on it when you string it. So I string the mains first, and then hopefully I go this way down because I'm going towards the stronger part of the racket when I go here. This is the least supported part of the racket. So if you go up this way, I'm putting more pressure, particularly here on the racket when I go up. I see. So is it that is it okay to do a one piece if like you you if you start the other way like if it ends up being that way instead the top, the top down from the tip down from the they call this the tip down to the throat. So this yeah. is called the racket head. This is the tip, this is the throat. So if I work my way down this way with the crosses, that's best for the racket. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. If I go one piece up, you know, if I've got a, a, you know, what they call a 10 point mounting system, which you see on most electronic stringers, it's a little easier just because it's a better supported racket mm -hmm. when you string it. Gotcha. Gotcha. Excellent stuff. Um, excellent, Alan. I'm trying to think what else, but um, in as far as Bablat's offerings, this want to um, ask you, you know, I know that you mentioned the, um, uh, the pure was it the pure strike vs that's right that you just showed um but um or you know a little while ago with the red trim um are there any other like new releases for coming this year that you could actually talk about or any you know recent ones like either on the rackets or string side or anything else you want to mention well i mean we're you know 
RPM Soft was a new release to us. We also did RPM Power, which is what Dominic Team is in, which, you know, what they're trying to do, what, what's trending in polyester strings is they heat the material up. So that heat process is now longer, and then it gets pushed or extruded through a die hole. So longer heat process, less tension when they pull the string through the die hole, making the material softer. And then we put a coating on it to make it have a little more of a crisp, crisp, crisper sound because we're finding that people like that. Um, so that's a softer poly string, but we're still softening up a stiffer material. So that's what's trending on the poly side, making them softer. You know, color choices are more of a color preference choice, but it does affect the softness of the string. So string wise, you'll see that. Um, uh, Bob Lott will be coming out to LA probably sometime May, June to test a new multi-filament because, you know, I've been at different symposiums where we have Lucien come out and speak to the tennis pros about not having every one string polyester strings, but talking about advantage drawback to different string materials and, who you know, what materials for who, you know, we're used to the American way, which it's one thing for everybody, you know, we promote this one thing, it's the latest, greatest but you're figuring out what you like, right? And what we haven't talked about within that is gauge. So it's weird in gauge because a 15 gauge is actually thickest in an 18 or 19 gauge is thinnest because it's a plumber's measurement. So it's how many strings can fit within a certain circumference. So a thinner gauge is actually higher. So in a polyester, if you're not breaking a lot and you want something softer, you could go to a 17 gauge. We even do an 18 gauge in RPM. We don't go to the 19 gauges like some of the manufacturers because we felt like we were just splitting hairs at that point because do you really need a durable material that thin? But you'll see some of that. So understand material in gauge when you talk about it. So we, you know, 17 gauge in European, in European speak, it's in millimeters. 1.3 is 16, 1.25 is 17. So, you know, look at gauge two as you talk with your stringers, understand those variables. You should, if you're trying a poly or you're mixing a hybrid with a poly in a multi-filament, do a thinner poly 17 gauge with a thicker multi 16 gauge because the poly will still outlast in most cases, the multi-filament. Hmm. That's a great point. Yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up, um, Alan. Um, so I guess uh, that's an interesting question. Um, so I, I think you talked about kind of the profit margin on strings, uh, but I, I guess we got a question. Um, I don't know that you necessarily have to answer like what, because the question is, what is the, uh, the profit margin on strings versus rackets? I mean, you, I don't know if you, you don't necessarily have to mention like the exact numbers, but um, you know, another way of asking it too, if you'd prefer not to, is like, is there a bigger profit margin on strings versus rackets? Well, it's way bigger on strings. That's why you have so many string manufacturers because it doesn't cost a lot to make it. You can, yeah. you know, batch make it, bring it over and it's bigger on strings, right? It's, um, it's how you control that process. You know, Babla really is a manufacturer product versus having people make it for you. We, we make our strings in Germany, which most good polys are made there and then we finish it. And blah, blah, you know, Excel and Addiction, which are multi-filaments, they're made in Lyon, France, which is where the company's headquartered. 
you know, got, we make it in Plurimel because that's where the cows are. Literally we go there and got to clean the intestine and do that. It's a very uh, fragrant process. I've been to the gut factory. You got to <laughs> literally throw your clothes away, but it's definitely a, a different process. So, you know, that's where it's different. And, and rackets are tough because, you know, they're all, most of them are made in China. Yonex makes in Japan because they're a Japanese companies. So they make their own rackets there. Most other manufacturers buy time in manufacturers in China. And I've been fortunate to be over there. And so you got to find the, that builder, buy your time, and then make sure you get the right builders building to your recipe, right? Because you got to lay up the graphite in certain ways to those four things flex points we've talked about. And then they get, you know, they, they, they lay up the, the graphite fibers on different sheets, put it in a mold, and then they inject the mold with it with, and heat it in a mold that you give them, right? So it, it's, a, it's a very hands-on process. A lot of hands touch, you know, your racket before you get it. Same thing with footwear. You'd be surprised how many hands touch it before you get it. String is a little less complicated than that, especially on the poly side. Gotcha. Great stuff. Um, where's the best place for people to follow, you know, Babylad and check out what they have. And also um, say a similar question, you know, for yourself as well, if you want to shout out any, you know, social accounts or anywhere else that you'd like people to visit. You know, I mean, but, you know, Babylad.com, you know, we've got now a website where we're doing more information that way. You know, we've got a great guy named Daniel Becker who, has our marking where we start our own website, not really just not really to sell material, but it's just to get our brand story out there a little bit more. But you've got, you know, your local pro shop, you know, who carries the brand if they have good brand support. That's the guy you want to connect to because, you know, the internet sites can give you great reviews and they're very helpful partners for us that do great reviews and they try to give you a good idea of who, you know, the, each individual buys. I'm this type of player or this type of player. So that's helpful. Um, that's helpful. But they can't restring your racket. So as you go into these pro shops, you know, ask the questions and, you know, they're going to help make it personal and, and help you to know your product. And it's partly up to you to, you know, you can make this as customizable as you want, but find the right guys who can who have the knowledge and the interest to help you because it's a personal process that really makes a difference. So work with your local pro shop, find reviews online. Boblin has its own information too. And, you know, your, your other websites that, that do their reviews. I mean, everyone has an opinion. So um, not, nothing personal, but not everything you see on the internet is true though. I hate to tell you guys. What? This. Oh my gosh. I hate why. to say that to you. I knew you'd cry a little bit, but it's all right. That's why things have been spiraling down lately. <laughs> no, no, you're killing it. Thank you for all you do. Oh, and that, you. That, but that's why, you know, you know, I'm giving you the best understanding I have. And this is the parameters we work with, you know, and it's cool. I mean, it just like racket grip shapes. It's so hilarious how they're all different because it's all our personal take. And, and it's even true. You know, if someone tells you this is, the one way to serve or hit a forehand. It, I mean, when I go watch these guys play, and I was fortunate to watch some amazing matches, and we've got such amazing players playing right now, I just can't believe it. No one hits the ball the same way. That's what's so cool about tennis. I mean, that's 
that's what I love. And then same thing for product. It, you know, fits a lot of different needs and styles. Yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And, um, you know, glad you all have, uh, Alcaraz in your corner. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, it's incredible. Doing. But the cool <laughs> thing about him, he's like, Hey, I'm not Nadal. I'm Alcaraz. I mean, certainly makes great shots, but he plays a little different game. And it's weird. Like we talk about the, the, these guys who can hit with such tremendous power and then he hits a drop shot. I'm like, what is going on here? It's incredible. And, and no one really talks about what a great server is, but he's a great server too. I mean, serves 120, 130. It's, it's incredible what we are able to see out there. I love it. Yeah, for sure. Um, as you probably saw, they, they had stats that, you know, Alcaraz at 18 is serving bigger than, you know, most pros on tour on average. So it's very, uh, very impressive. Um, oh, and I'm sure some of that has to do, yeah, has to do with the racket and the strings and whatnot. Well, I mean, the racket makes a difference. <laughs> I mean, we've seen a huge uptake and people who want that pure LVS and that's great. And these, you, you know, Bob, that's fortunate to have such great ambassador because we're really a fifth generation family owned company. It's not a big corporation like some of the people we compete against. You know, we're really innovators and makers of the product, but we've been fortunate to get some great brand representation for not only themselves and our company, but the sport. I mean, Carlos is one of those. Obviously, Rafa Nadal and his graciousness in winning or losing, and he's amazing. I mean, I Felix is great. I mean, Layla talking about 9-11 and she's Canadian, you know, US Open. Unbelievable. I just, you know, Muguruza, you know, Kim Kleister's over the years. Roddick was incredible for us. I mean, Carlos Moya, really, who's now Nadal's coach. You know, it's it's been an amazing story for us with these amazing amount of players. And I'm not mentioning all the players. It's just what I'm thinking on top of my head right now. It's It's, we've been fortunate in, in having such great people to be with us. Jack Sockhoff, he's very dynamic. He just, you know, won in doubles at BMP with John Isner and I watched them play. That was incredible. And we've been lucky. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, we're all, all lucky to see the great tennis there and, uh, tennis, um, you know, evolve over time. Um, and then how about your, um, socials? I mean, uh, Alan, don't you have a, uh, like an Instagram, yeah, I'm on Instagram or any other? I'm in Instagram. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to do that better. I need your help. Like you will have to talk about after this and sure. I'm still, uh, learning that process, but definitely, um, you'll see more on my Instagram, uh, on that under a Iverson. So, uh, look at that and, and I'll definitely be getting, you know, showing more on product there. Brilliant. Great stuff. Great stuff. Um, Alan, um, and then as, as we kind of talked about, you know, if you attend some of the, the live streams, we'll uh, potentially be giving out some, uh, cool Bablat stuff. So that would, that would be great. Absolutely. So def yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. Would want to want you to attend those. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll close with just asking you, um, you know, for one key piece of advice to help players get the most out of their, uh, out of their racket. Trust your instincts. Be curious. You know, try different things, try stuff that you wouldn't try. And you're figuring out what you like and what you don't like. No one can tell you this. This is why we went through the variables of racket and racket head size and racket length and racket weight. And even we even didn't even talk a lot about racket stiffness, but you'll feel that when you hit it. Um, you know, understand when you demo what string material you like to use. 
if, if you're at that sophistication level, but if not, at least ask what's in it, right? Hey, what demo do you have? What's in it? And then figure out what grip material you like and what grip size works for you. These are all the parameters that you're walking through that make a huge difference. Don't use your boyfriend's racket who's a three eighths and you're an eighth. He won't like it. You know, find it, make it personal, customize it to you. You know, and part of what, when you go in and talk to rackets to your pro shop, they're going to ask you your, you know, your tolerance in terms of how much you want to pay. So there's rackets at the different price levels from 100 to 150 to 160, all the way up to now we're in the 200s to 280s. You got to figure out what you want to spend and then build from there. You know, your local pro shop's going to have more of the premium pro- product, your sporting goods will start you more entry level because that's a less sophisticated buyer. But if you can buy through a local pro shop or a, a more high-end retailer, it helps you just because if you want to refine that process over time, they're going to know you and know the process. There you go, everybody. So uh, with that, Alan, thanks a lot for coming on the, the event and uh, really appreciate your time and obviously looking forward to chatting soon. And obviously I want everybody to check out um, Babolat's products and they, they make some top quality stuff. I play with, um, as I said, you know, their, their equipment as well. So uh, it's re- really, uh, really fun to have you on Alan and uh, looking forward to chatting again soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me on. Anytime. Thanks Alan. All right. I really hope that you enjoyed my interview with Alan Iverson and got a lot of value out of it in terms of how to get the best performance out of your racket. And if you do enjoy the podcast and get value from it, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review for the Tennis Falls podcast. And you can do that at tennisfalls.com slash Apple Podcasts with an S at the end or in your favorite podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. Would really appreciate that. I'd also like to leave you with a quote, as I often do at the end of the show, and this one is by Mary K. Ash, and Mary said, even the smallest achievements pave a way to great success. Definitely want to improve just a little bit at a time. You know, as they often say, if you improve 1% every day for a year, you'll have improved 37 times your original performance, so definitely... Every small achievement is not to be overlooked. It's to be celebrated and built upon. All right, with that, thanks so much for listening to this episode. And I'm looking forward to putting out more episodes for you to benefit from. With that, I bid you adieu. And this is Marabon Aranchad, your host, signing out. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.